Welcome to TA1. Everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. Got the crew here with me tonight. So, um, yeah, lucky me. Anyway, um, kind of getting back to normal after Shenandoah Tough. Mostly unpacked, but with Paulette out of town, I can take a little longer. Um, I don't think it matters because it took her a while to get the table cleaned off after Trans South Dakota, so I think I might be able to beat her uh, time for doing that. Just I uh, want to give a shout out to uh, Mark and Margo, Greg at uh, Adventure Enablers, the um, uh, compared to a couple other races. The organization was really well, even with the monkey wrench that got thrown in. Where we lost half the course uh, due to worries about Hurricane Florence, which didn't um, bother us too much. No more rain than they'd had been having, but um, I guess you kind of got to understand that, uh, yeah, that um, the forestry needs to uh, err on the side of caution. But uh, and it really would have been nice to see the full course. Uh, it was hard, had a lot of high dropout rate, but um, I think people had a good time and uh, everybody kind of rolled with punches and got it done and uh, very enjoyable. And not just saying that because I'm one of only two that have made all the tough races all six years, me and uh, Mark Harris, I guess he has to be there. Being the uh, race director, course designer, and head poobah. So, thanks to those guys for having me uh, out there again. And thanks for Chris, classic Chris Radcliffe. We finally, after six years, we finally got a nickname that he likes. But um, we plan on doing some more stuff uh, next year as soon as we can. Um, Bring you our own brand of wackiness and adventure racing. So here we go with an episode. Had um, well, I'm going to say a lot of people wanted to hear what Jesse had to say, and by a lot of people, I mean in relationship to our audience. So the number isn't important. It was just a high percentage. Anyway, uh, let's get this done. So. Um, I can do some real life stuff tonight. I try to keep the place looking nice while Paulette's gone. And I think I succeed. Anyway, uh, go fast, take chances, and thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye. Hello? Jesse, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Yeah, actually it sounds pretty decent. Yeah, I was a little worried about this Bluetooth. No, so far, that will work good. Did you charge the battery? It says hi. Okay. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah, nothing like, uh, we're singing the, okay, let me, okay, here we'll start. Do you ever use music or anything when you uh, train or race? Yeah, I use, uh, when I train, I usually use these, uh, like, uh, bone conduction headphones, the air tracks, mm-hmm. um, for my long runs. Yeah. And, and there's nothing worse than when you uh, either start and they're not charged or they quit in the middle of the run, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Sometimes when I do, uh, like, tempo runs, I'll even put, like, the uh, like a metronome on them and uh, run with that in the background. Huh. All right. That might be a first that I've heard of, but whatever. <laughs> it works for you, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. Who are you? Who am I? I'm probably going to need prompting because uh, sometimes I'm brief with my answers. Uh, okay. I am 32 years old. I live in Richmond, Virginia with my wife and two daughters. Um, I'm originally from Illinois uh, but moved out here in 2012. Uh, let's see. 
I, uh, I'm an emergency physician. It's my job. I've been doing that for three years now. I've been done with my training. Uh, I did went to school in Illinois, went to med school in Illinois, and came out here to do my training. Um, let's see. What else do you want to know? All right. We'll start there. And your name is Jesse Spangler. That is correct. And you have, not that this is a huge number, but you've had uh, had more people say, hey, get Jesse on. I want to hear, hear about him than anybody else on the podcast. So you're a winner so far. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, people really uh, got into the... Uh, to your solo effort at, at um, Shenandoah, but but we'll get into that. So, um, whereabouts in, in Illinois are you from? I'm from the Quad Cities. So okay. I'm from a little rural town outside the Quad Cities. I grew up in the middle of a cornfield. Uh, uh, I don't think we didn't have a single stoplight in town. We had one stop sign. I think there were 600 people in my hometown. Went to a small mm-hmm. high school. Grew up. Uh, Playing some, it's about a hundred people in each high school class. So got a chance to participate in a bunch of different sports. Did football, wrestling, and track. Then moved on to uh, the University of Illinois in the middle of Illinois for college. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's in Champaign, Illinois. Yeah. And then, did you pick Virginia just career-wise, or was it, um, you know, a place you wanted to go? I could kind of go anywhere I wanted career-wise. I I chose it because I had some family in West Virginia and Baltimore. Um, It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. and I knew I'd like trail running at that time. I hadn't got into biking yet when I made the decision. Um, But I could run, you know, most of the the year outside in Virginia, whereas in Illinois, it was just so snowy and cold and icy that it it was difficult. So I knew I probably didn't want to go any further north than Virginia. Um, and it, also the big thing was that I, I interviewed here. Uh, they had a good uh, program for emergency medicine. So I, I, I picked this place. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I was kind of curious because Paulette, my wife, is from Chicago, Illinois, and she went to Gillette, Wyoming as an ER nurse. So Yeah. Got that. Got that Wyoming ER moving away connection, but yeah, I did a um, med school in Chicago, so I, it kind of made me get to get out of there. Uh, I was down in Chicago <laughs> after four years. Um, so was she. I mean, she grew up there, but she always wanted. She always knew she wanted to be um, in the outside, in the country, and not in Chicago. So. Um, and I promise we're going to spend a lot of time on AR, but why um, why an emergency room physician? It's never boring. Um, mm-hmm. When you're going through medical school and you decide what kind of physician you want to be, you kind of try different things out. Uh, and it was exciting. It was always changing. It was never boring. And you get to see it help all, every different person, all walks of life. Uh uh, it's always a challenge. Okay. It's never the same thing yeah. every day. I could see, I could see that. Yeah, doing, yeah, that excitement. I heard stories from her. Yeah, you get that way. But um, so, growing up in a small community high school, were you a jock? What did What did you do? I did everything. How did you? I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just to stay busy, and there's nothing else to do. Uh, I was did football, wrestling, and track. Um, you know, every year I was involved in all the. I did like the plays and the musicals and all the every everything you could think of. I was in it uh, growing up. So was that by choice, or were you just like anytime something came up, there's a teacher that came up to you and says, "You have to be, you have to wrestle, you have to be in oh, the play." No, that, was, that was by choice. I, my my parents probably would have been glad if I dropped a couple uh, activities <laughs> so I wasn't so busy all the time. Uh, so all my friends were doing everything too. So, so a good way to stay so, active. Yeah. Um, sometimes in a small town, everybody knows everything. Did true. you ever get it? 
Did you ever get away with anything that your parents still don't know about? I've told them. Uh, well, I've told them about everything. Like five years later, ten years later, I'd tell them okay. some stuff. But they'd, they'd usually hear about it. But they were surprised yeah. by a couple shenanigans. Okay. It's not one of those like, yeah, we know. <laughs> a few times. <laughs> a few times they said that and just let it slide, sort of. They didn't uh, catch me doing it. They kind of just let it slide okay. sometimes. I was a good kid most most of the time. Yeah, I think that's what my mom would say. And there may be one or two things that I haven't brought up So <laughs> and probably never will. <laughs> so. Um, so then how did you get in how did you get into trail running um you know being cliche you're in Illinois how can you run on trails uh, well yeah I guess it was mostly road running in Illinois but every now and then they'd have a a few trail races outside Chicago and outside Champaign Illinois and those are kind of what I enjoyed most so when I moved to Richmond um, we're just lucky to have uh, lots of trails here downtown and, and in and around Richmond so I, I kind of gravitated towards that. So do you do any road running now, or are you just a trail guy? My wife runs. She's sort of the, the biggest runner between us. Uh, okay. So I run with her and just try to keep up with her. That's the majority of my road running. So we you know, do some of the local 5K circuits. And we'll do sometimes up to a half marathon with her. Uh, she, she runs you know, 40, 50 miles a week. So it's sort of our thing to do together. We've got a, uh, like the double running stroller for the kids. So we'll put the kids in the running stroller and just, just go out and, and that's family time. Uh, who pushes the stroller? We take turns. It kind of depends. You've got the, like a race coming up and who needs to yeah. save their legs. Uh, but she's pretty, pretty strong with that stroller. Uh, she has this, uh, stroller mom's running group. Those girls just run around town pushing double and triple running strollers. <laughs> yeah, the the joys of a big city—you can have a strollers running mom's group. <laughs> yeah, I inherited her old uh, her old car, and it's got this like stroller mom's running sticker on the back of it. <laughs> well, it take it takes a secure man to leave that on his car. <laughs> yep. So, how did you uh, get into the? Uh, adventure race game just about three years ago uh so i did my first adventure race three years ago it was the uh i think it was the bartram wildwood epic put on by rev three uh i never done an adventure race never orienteered i didn't know how to mountain bike and me and a buddy from high school found out about this thing called adventure racing and we saw this 26 hour race in georgia which is where he lived at the time. His name was Drew. And we decided we're going to do it. Um, so I bought a bike. That was sort of my big purchase when I finished uh, my medical training. Uh, I bought a Rocky Mountain hardtail. I learned how to ride it in a couple months. I went to a couple orienteering events, and uh, we did it. We just didn't really know what we were doing, uh, but, but we finished. Uh, there was some... It was difficult. He knew how to mountain bike, uh, so at least one of us knew what we were doing. Uh, he kind of pushed me along on the mountain bike sections. It was rainy and wet, and I remember just falling off the bike so many times, and I hadn't put in any long rides, so I was pretty bruised up uh, from sitting on that bike for so long. Uh, but sort of how it started, and I, I got addicted to it after that. I knew that I had to keep doing it. What... Do you know what it was that that really hooked you? What I think a couple different things. The uh, I don't know when I find a checkpoint, you know, when you're searching and you're kind of lost, and you find that checkpoint, and you get that immediate satisfaction of I found it. You know, you work so mm -hmm. hard, and I don't know. That's that's part of it. And the other part of it is just the. I, I had some tough moments on that first one, a couple of pity parties at 2 a.m., um, but I worked through it, and there was a lot of satisfaction that came from that. Uh, and, and since then, it's the, when I'm in my free time, I like to run and bike now, so it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's fun to train for. 
Yeah. Well, you get that mix of mix of stuff. Um, so you know, but most people would think if I want to do something different, maybe I'd like go do a triathlon or even an obstacle race. What? Why? Why the adventure race instead of something like that? Something about that long, the twenty-six hour aspect of it just made it seem exciting. Um, I could do it with my. I mean, at that time I, was, I did it with, you know, my friend from high school. We were able to go out on yeah. this challenge together. Um, this something completely new. Yeah. Okay. I, I sort of understand that. Did you um, has has uh, sleep deprivation ever been a problem? Considering you've come from uh, you know medical school and all that stuff, where that you know wh- what we see is you guys are up for like eighty hours at a time working, so an adventure race should be easy. I've become pretty comfortable with it. It was a completely different beast during uh, the Shenandoah Tough. Yeah. That was my first expedition, or you know, first multi-day AR, and yeah. the sleep deprivation deprivation just takes on a completely new. Uh, it's completely different, uh, yeah. you know. After that thirty-six hour mark, forty-hour mark, um, you know, I've done little sleep for you know weeks at a time, but I usually, I never had anything like uh, the multi-day AR sleep deprivation. Yeah, would. Um... Well, we'll, we'll kind of let's get into the race a little bit. But um, is it so? Obviously, when you're in school and training and residency, all that with no sleep, you're making like life, you know, critical life decisions. Does it does it even compare to after like forty hours in an adventure race? The little decisions you have to make. Obviously, obviously, it's a lot different. But is the like the thought process the same when you're really, really tired? It's a different type of tired. If I was that tired, if I, w- I wouldn't work as tired as I was during that, uh, after 40 hours yeah. in the race. I would, yeah. I would stop um, well before then. Yeah, okay. But as far as the decision-making goes, uh, there are some similarities when you, you realize that you're, you're fatigued and that your ability to make good decisions is, is, uh, hampered. Uh, mm-hmm. you definitely have to stop and pause before you make big decisions. Uh, just like you would, at, just like I would at work and just yeah. like I would during a race. So, um, so why, why are, why did you race solo? Got no friends, or are you just weird <laughs> like that? <laughs> There's a bunch of reasons. Uh, yeah. I did uh, the Stokesville. My first long solo event was just a couple months before, a couple months ago. It was the Stokesville Rogaine, uh, 24-hour Rogaine here in Virginia. Uh, it was. I really enjoyed it. I went out by myself. I could go at my own pace. Um, I could take the chances I wanted to take. If I got lost, but it was just all on me, um, and it was a pe- it was peaceful, kind of being out in the woods by myself alone. Uh, but, and then for the uh, Shenandoah Tough, I couldn't sign up really till a month before the race. Uh, I didn't know if I'd go to get that time off work. Okay. Uh, that was a big part of it, and it was my I don't know it was my first expedition race. I wanted to wanted to see what I could do and, and really push myself to my limits. Yeah. yeah. So in in your three-year career, have you done, obviously your first race you did with a teammate, but have you done others? And in, in like with, have you ever done a four-person team? Yeah, I've done, uh, I guess, yeah, I've done nationals a couple times. One year we went as a combined uh, team, we were a six, a group of six. That was uh, in Georgia, and then we did nationals in 2017 as a group of three. Um, finished mid-pack. Um, uh, I usually race with a team. I, I only do really shorter stuff solo, maybe some shorter okay. local races. Yeah. So you knew you knew what you were getting into by doing it as a solo. You, 
Yeah. You weren't just like, oh, yeah, I can do this. It's no big deal. Well, <laughs> I knew it wouldn't be a big deal, yeah. yeah. Uh, it would be a big deal. Um, yeah. I had an idea what it would, what it would be like. I, I had no idea how much the sleep deprivation would, would, would affect me as a soloist. Yeah, because you don't have – well, you don't have anybody to kind of pick you up in those – when you're really, really, you know, tired or sleepy, so it gets a little more dangerous when you're solo and hallucinating. Yeah, um, you know, regardless of you know sleep, this has become the sleep podcast. But but even like navigation when you're soloing, how do you um, do? You just have to be that much uh, careful because you don't have anything to bounce on anybody. And and how do you, so? How do you do your navigation? Uh, not as well as I wanted to at the top, that's for <laughs> sure. Um, carefully, um, have a lot of, uh, you know, stop points to know if I went too far somewhere. Um, I forget the official name for those things, but, uh, backstop. Yeah. Backstops. Yeah. Being real careful with those. Um, they usually have multiple compasses on, uh, for the tough. I lost my wrist compass, uh, it was a pain. I usually have, you know, multiple different. Just be more aware of your 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 position um, uh, than than you yeah. normally would on a team. Yeah. So at, at Shenandoah, which was tough navigation. I mean, do you think it was tough? I mean, obviously it's probably tougher for a soloist. But how do you think? How do you? How did you uh, rate yourself on your navigation overall? Really? Did terrible. Uh, it started off. Oh my gosh, the, the visibility to start didn't help things. Yeah. Um, but my bike odometer broke immediately, um, which I rely on it heavily on the bike just to give myself a yeah. mental break. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I made a couple just really dumb bike nav mistakes that cost me some energy and time. Yeah. Um, and I, and I ran out of time on that row gain. Uh, which is where I was navigating okay uh, up until I ran out of time. Yeah. So you, yeah, because you had to have one eye on the cutoffs and and uh, yeah, be aware of that. Yeah. So you know, if if you're like if you got to take a bearing in in, in pace count, how do you? I mean, you just got to stop a lot and say okay check the bearing this is my pace count and just keep going so i just i just kind of curious how you actually physically do it because it's really really hard by yourself uh i mean i i mean i was doing that a little bit on the road gain of just you know picking a bearing and, and going over a ridge it was on one of the mandatory uh cps on this on the road gain part um but i would and it was hard to to go straight off trail there because there was so much rhododendron, uh, mm-hmm. but I would just try to keep it all in my head how many how many paces I've gone and and I would uh, you know shine my light off in the distance and try to hit that point um, just like I would any any other time orienteering. Okay. Um, so what was your so well you know let let's just let's start at the beginning. Um, how long did it take you to like wrap your mind around the the change in the course? I, or are you certain it didn't bother did. you? Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just pre race planning. I, I just figured out my route and and the distances. Uh, look for any shortcuts that might have been there. But I, I never, I didn't really think of it too much, and I wish I, sh- mm-hmm. I wish I would have, because I would have switched some of the stuff in my bins around, uh, which yeah. I didn't, um, to my uh, detriment. Um, yeah, well, it happened to a lot of people, so yeah, that's it. That's part of it. Yeah, um, you know, we'd we'd had some discussion because those of us that aren't racing have a lot of time to. To talk about how we would do it, <laughs> which is if we would do it, we'd be out there. But um, somebody has suggested that the maybe what they should have done is said, 
just not said anything, let you get to Stokes or say something like, you know, we're going to go to Stokesville and then we're going to figure out what happens. Do you think that might have been a little easier for people not knowing that they were going to go out and back? Because I think that really hurt a lot of other people um, mentally. I mean, how is it you for you know when you know? Oh, I'm going to come back this way. I was happy cool to come that? back the same way. I was having navigational okay. issues with that bike odometer. I, I was happy yeah. to when I got back on the way back. I got back to was, uh, the Raleigh Springs area, and I'd had a mm. I'd had a really tough time. But uh, I was happy to go back the same way I came because I, I knew I wouldn't get lost. <laughs> Did were you able to? Um, like when we ran into um, uh, MRC, they were having a hard time finding, uh, I think it was, I don't know, CP22, the one in the middle of the creek, because they didn't um, they didn't attack it like they normally would. They were thinking, well, we know where it's at. So were you doing that, or, or did you have to, like, really attack each, each uh, CP like you did going out? Well, on the way back, uh, my course got cut short. I was forced to uh, take the road from Raleigh Springs, so it was uh, okay. Um, uh, Mark didn't think uh, it'd be safe to uh, try to get back uh, in time, take an usual route. Yeah. Okay. That that and that makes sense too. So, um, the, the, were you cool with that? I mean. They really, I think the race really worked with you and, and got you back to the finish. But I mean, yeah. were you like, no, I need to, I need to go that way, or are you fine with what the race? I was, up, I was upset at the time um, when I got to. I started to pick it up at that point. I went mm-hmm. about twenty four hours there in the middle of the race, probably only consuming about five or six hundred calories. So I was really sick and dehydrated and, and hyponatremic had a tough time and I was starting to feel real strong um, and I felt that I could push it up that push it back up the hill and, and make it and, and finish the race um, mm. and I don't know if I could have or not but I was ready to give it a shot yeah. so I was happy when I got to that last truck section and I was able to take it easy a little bit and, uh, and I'm okay with it now and I understand why they're doing it I was moving at way too slow of a pace to finish before that um, so I understand where they were coming from, and they didn't want me to get lost. Yeah, uh, be a liability on the, for them. Um, yeah, well, and the safety because it's just hard would be hard to get get to you up in there. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I was aware of that. I understood. Yeah, there's there's still that that part of you when you're racing that's like, no, I, I'm I'm I want to do this and. Uh, yeah, it it can be uh, irritating yeah, when somebody too. says, you're not in your right mind, go this way. And I wasn't really in the right mind, but I, I, yeah. I think I could have pulled it off. I'm, I'm pretty strong at just pushing a bike up a mountain, um, uh, and I felt great at that time. Why, um, do you, why did you get so far behind on your nutrition and drinking just – were you going so hard that you weren't thinking about it, or? No, I don't know what happened. Uh, I think I, I forgot my salt tabs. I think my sodium levels got way off, and then uh, on the second night, at one point, I began getting nauseous and, and headaches, and then I began vomiting and, and turned into dry heaving. And uh, I ended up just parking myself uh, at the top of a, a mountain at one point actually went out on a on one of the ridges and then came back because I was worried I might not be able to uh, self-rescue if I got any weaker. So I just set up mm. a tarp and uh, and slept for a couple hours. And when I woke up, I decided I was uh, just going to try, and I, I felt strong enough to go at that point. Uh, I still wasn't eating, but eventually I was able to uh, – I don't know if it was what it was, but I got over it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's I guess that's the one thing in an expedition race is you, you, you can get over it. Um, do you, I mean, is it is it kind of like when you're not feeling good then you don't want to eat and you just go into that spiral? No, I just could, I couldn't, I couldn't physically keep anything down. Um, okay. 
I don't know. Usually I can force something down. Nothing would nothing would stick. It was just okay. So it wasn't it, it wasn't you didn't forget to eat or you didn't want to eat or nothing didn't taste good. It just literally, literally physically it wouldn't stay down there. Correct. I'm, I'm pretty aware. I, I usually need about 200, 250 calories an hour when I'm moving. Um, to, mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll bonk. Um, yeah. And, and I just couldn't keep it up. So what do you think um, you would do different nutrition-wise if you do another one of these? And I, I'm I'm assuming you're going to do another one of these because I think you're oh yeah you're nuts you're nuts like the rest of them. <laughs> uh, not forgetting those salt tabs, um, less just sugary stuff. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's that age old you know. If you have sugar with you, you want salt, and if you have salt with you, you want sugar. Correct. Yeah, it's just the way it's just the way it works. Piece of pizza or something would have been nice. Yeah, um, were you were, were you looking on the ground for something for drop food? <laughs> I had my face on the ground in the fetal position for a little while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we'll assume you were looking for food then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was part of it. That was an unforget- unforgettable part of the race. It was fun to work through. I, yeah, so. You, so you started feeling better as you started working your way back. You're just getting stronger. Is that just you think you just got food? You know, you're you're mentally, you know, you're kind of past the halfway point. Why do you think you started feeling better? I don't know. Whatever, whatever was wrong uh, physiologically was was correcting itself. Uh, okay. Uh, I have no you're, idea. You were self healing. Um, yeah. Oh, the. The important question, did you did you take a shot of whiskey? No, I did tea. <laughs> uh, I could have yeah. used to drink at that point. Yeah. Now, getting to Stokesville, I made a big big mistake there. I It was daylight when I got to Stokesville, and I felt like if I just rested in that little pavilion there for an hour, I'd be able to go out and sweep the course and do, do a good job. So I rested mm-hmm. there at Stokesville, but when I went back out, as soon as I hit that road, I was running on the road, and then I was walking up a hill. I, the fatigue just was overwhelming um, mm. at that point. I, I should have never even stopped at Stokesville. should have just kept going and, and slept out on the course because I didn't really rest at the TA. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, TAs are not necessarily a good point to uh, Yeah, I thought it would be a good spot to stop and nap, but it, it was not. I should have just stopped and napped out on the course. Yeah. Well, but I mean – you, you kind of are, are still a rookie, so you, you're starting to learn those things like that. I think um, good lessons. Um, so, what is the biggest lesson that you that you're bringing away from this race? Is it mental, physical, uh, the fact that you've you've done this really really hard thing? What's what's what can be harder? <laughs> uh. I don't think I learned just one big takeaway from it. I mean, I learned lots of little things. Um, I'll probably bring a backup bike odometer if I go solo in a similar situation. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I will be able to anticipate what how bad the sleep monsters can really be um, and how to work through those better. Um, and then, I don't know, knowing that when you're really tired, you know, at the end of the race, there's just so much more you can pull out and, and physically do. Uh, I mean, at the end of the race, I was I was running pretty fast, and, and I, I was able to pull that out. With, and I didn't think I'd be able to do that. Um, there was just so much more left in the tank. And mentally, I was kind of reserving this energy inside and, and this just kind of saving it a little bit, but I think that was doing a disservice. I think you can just push and push and push and, and kind of, I don't know, redline for a lot longer than you think you can. So, well, that's interesting. Um, so you're saving a little bit, like that 5%, just uh, as a like an emergency backup or just because you're not sure? Well, for example, on the uh, – like on the last 13-mile trek, 
I was kind of jog walking at the top, uh, uh, the ridge there. Um, I could, I should have just been running the whole time. Um, uh, things like that. Like I thought that I would, you know, get to a point and then I would just lock up and not be able to go. But when I got done with it, I, I was kind of spent, but I realized that I could have gone a lot faster the whole time. Hmm. That's interesting that, yeah, that you, I mean, but then, but by the same token, if you go faster the whole time, maybe you run out of energy. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, mathematical problem, time, distance, calories. Yeah. So, um, what, um, I would say I would just push myself, uh, I wouldn't save as much for the end. Okay. Just just push a little harder and, and like get a little closer to the edge each time, you think? Something like that? Yeah. Just to know where, what your limits are? I think that edge is a little further away than maybe yeah. you think when you're two days into a race. Okay. I, yeah, that makes sense. You, you don't know where where it's at. Um what um what what do you th- think the limits for a solo adventure race could be could you could a soloist do a five day race because you're gonna have i mean obviously they could do it in a certain amount of time but with cutoffs and stuff well how close were you to cutoffs uh, you know like the first few so the ones? first cutoff that I hit was at Stokesville at six a m so that yeah. was uh you know, 36 hours into the race, or like 34 hours into the race, something like that. Um, and I really wasn't aware of the cutoffs before that. I didn't think okay. I'd even have a problem with them, honestly, until the, the very last cutoff. I knew that would be a problem. Um, and it was the sleep issue uh, yeah. that got to me. But the, the limits for a soloist... I don't think there is one. Okay. It, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, solo people do amazing things. It's. <clears throat> I think the only the only um, limiting factor is if you have to go a certain pace. That's. I think that's going to be harder by yourself than with with a team because, you know, you don't have somebody to take absolutely your pack for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's hard, to, it's hard to gauge that pace as a soloist, too. You don't have somebody there to uh, to, to judge your speed by. You know, when you're yeah. delirious, it's hard to judge how fast you're actually going, and it's hard to judge how long you're actually looking at that map. When you stop and look down and glance at the map and you're, you're that sleep-deprived, you might think you're only looking at it for 30 seconds, but then, you know, I would notice I'm just stopped for five minutes just staring at this map kind of half asleep. Uh huh. Just do you know? Just wasting time. Time, yeah. So, um, so your next expedition race, are you going to go solo, or are you going to find a team? Team, yeah. <laughs> it was fun to do solo. I'm glad I had the opportunity to do it solo, but uh, I'm thinking the team. Yeah, I, I, it might. Um, well, here's a question: Was it fun? It was very fun. It was okay. there were some amazing moments, especially those downhill mountain bike sections. Just bombing down the mountain from Reddish Knob was uh, it was amazing. Um, I just had a smile on my face going down those mountains most of the time. Uh, not really going up yeah. the mountains. <laughs> well, I, I'm hoping you had a better time going down them than than up because. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting to believe that you're a regular, you're a fairly normal person. But um, although I always, th- I was always much better going uphill than downhill, so maybe I was the strange one. But um, well, I got to use my, I got a new bike right before the race. I broke the frame on my hardtail a couple of weeks before the tough, um, and I took it to the shop and they couldn't fix it in time. So I got this sweet new uh, full suspension for the race. Was, yeah. It was just fun to ride. Yeah, it would be. Um, what? Um, so you 
you cross the, you cross the finish line and you look pretty good, but then you kind of immediately did look very good. But so what what was your emotional state like right right after crossing? Because obviously it's a high when you finish, but then uh, you know you're kind of do you crash immediately or did you could you kind of know what um, savor the finish for a little bit? Oh, it felt good. It still feels good just to yeah. cross that finish line. Um, you know, physically, kind of hurt a little bit. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, let's put it this way. Nobody really wanted to come over and be around you. <laughs> I bet. Uh, well, from, I went, it was fast. Uh, the last couple of miles I was moving, so I was pretty worn yeah. out in that. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're kind of over there and watching Bill kind of, kind of making sure you were doing all right, and we we're kind of like, yeah, let's let's just let him have a few minutes, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to get a little bit showers and get. Uh, I I had taped up some chafing areas uh, pretty well, and I just wanted to get that tape off. Um, it was there are places that were taped that should never be taped. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we yeah. hear you there, yeah. The dangers yeah. of uh, using a new bike saddle for a, a race. Yeah. So, yep. Another lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so how long did you have to recover before you had to go back to work? I was lucky. I didn't have to go back till Wednesday. Um, it was nice. It's kind of still rough being on my uh, feet. Nice to keep my foot elevated right now, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Glad I didn't have to go back on Monday. That would have been rough. Yeah, that would. Uh, yeah, you know, I think adventure racers, the good, you kind of learn that. Yeah, you really don't want to go back to work the next day. It's it's, you know, not like not like running just a marathon or something. You need a need a few days. So it's well, good you, you know, Hurricane Florence kind of moved it up a day. It yeah. gave, me, gave me an extra day to, to get to get settled down afterwards. Yeah. Were you um, surprised that we didn't get all the rain and the hurricane? I mean, I was surprised. Happy, least, I was so happy, yes. uh, and not just during the race, but my family didn't have to deal with Florence. Um, I was, yeah. you know, worried about them. Uh, you know, because the initial report said it was coming right for us with 10 to 15 inches of rain. Um, and really, the, we didn't really deal with it too much. When we got back, there were some tornadoes in town, which is unusual for Richmond. Um, but nothing nothing crazy. Yeah. I, I uh, knock wood, whatever, I guess it's good karma on Mark and Margo's part that, uh, you know, too bad somebody had to get it, but good that we didn't have to. To me, it was the um, the correct amount of, of weather suffering. <laughs> it, was, so. it was not bad during the rain. So it was sunny uh, the second morning. Yeah. It was sunny waking up, or sunny, you know, at the beginning of the day, and mm. sunny at the end of the day. There were some blue yeah. skies, um, and then the, the spitting rain didn't bother me. Uh, yeah, some wet rocks, but not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, Chris and I, Radcliffe and I, were on Reddish Knob, I don't know, one afternoon, and the sun came out, and it was um, pretty miserable, hot heat-wise. I think if that cloud cover had been gone away, it would it actually really would have been a lot worse for you guys. Yeah, I got up to Reddish Knob, and it started to uh, rain a little bit, but uh, yeah. on the way up there, it was sunny. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a cool spot. <laughs> um, I don't know. You probably didn't get a chance to look around any at all the graffiti and all that stuff. Uh, but, uh, I, I was up there a couple minutes looking around. There were some. Uh, I had run out of water at that point, and there were some some people up there at the viewpoint right before the rain rolled in, and they were super nice. And they saw that that's what we were doing, and they gave me a bottle of water. It was, it was pretty nice. I got to just kind of hang out up there for a few minutes before. Bomb in the downhill. So, cool. Yeah, that was definitely a spot worth uh, worth a few minutes looking around. If you know, 
if you were there like when you were there or we were there and the clouds lifted. It was gorgeous. So yeah. I'm, I'm, the high point of the race is probably, for Chris and I, the only time we got good views. So I can live with that. <laughs> I don't know. Pretty good um, start of the race with us uh, marching up the mountain at night. Yeah, that was a little different. Um, what did what did you think of? Uh, do you have enough experience to know that that was a little bit different? And how did you like it? I mean, it's different for me. Uh, yeah, the starting at night aspect kind of made me start with twelve hours less sleep. But yeah, uh, yeah, it is yeah. awesome. The video was awesome of us marching up that mountain. Yeah. I'd- think it turned out pretty cool i was you know it was one of those things like this is either going to be kind of cool or totally crappy so <laughs> but i i kind of um, i mean you know from a media standpoint it's not quite as cool but uh i'm not sure that's you know maybe race won't uh do that now and again you know it would be nice if you knew so you could you could get a little sleep during the day or the night before plan it yeah. a little better but um i'm uh Excited nap, but I was too excited. Yeah, there's that. I mean, I did a race, a bike race, a long time ago that started at at midnight, and I kind of liked it, um, because I don't like getting up at four a.m. for a six o'clock bike start or anything. So yeah, you don't sleep much anyways then either. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what's on your horizon race wise? You got anything planned or? I've got the uh, that Strong Adventure Race coming up in a couple weeks. I'm going to do that uh, as a two-person, um, uh, on a two-person team. Uh, me and my uh, teammate Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, we're going to do that. I got a, a three-hour bike loop race coming up in a couple weeks, and then I think this weekend there's a local uh, orienteering adventure race for just four-hour race coming up. Uh, we've got some stuff coming. I don't have any big expedition races or any multi-day things planned right now. Yeah. But if some team's looking for a uh, strong character, can I use that <laughs> as a word? <laughs> you, you might be interested in that, huh? Yeah. Uh, Ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, see, now I have to. I have to do my little bit, you know. You should uh, plan on find somebody and come to C to C in Florida in February. Yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a good race. And I'm not saying that just because I'm supposed to, <laughs> and I'm going to be there. But um, yeah, they're really working on a you know pretty cool thing. Lots of paddling, not many mountains to climb though. Oh shucks. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you yeah. know, nice early season race. Yeah, I wish you could have paddled in the tough, but oh well. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was kind of a done deal, you know, even before Florence came because the waters were so high. So, um, yeah, either water's too high or you're pulling your boats over the rocks. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, well, cool. I think people are going to be happy to know that – you didn't almost die out there, and you actually did know what you were doing. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> you went You went into it with your eyes wide open anyway. I don't know. If they had the same race again next year, I might want to do it again, uh, redeem myself. But uh, we'll see. And we'll see how that goes, yeah. So, um, all right, I'm going to let you go. you got to do a shift tonight, huh? Yeah, about ready to head in. Thanks a lot for having me, Randy. Appreciate it. All right. Well, you know. The uh, public speaks and I listen. So thanks very much for the chat. Yeah. Bye, Randy. All right. All right. Bye. Dawn till dusk. I'm getting no money, I'm getting nowhere. The diamonds of gold, they filter through my hand. Just like the cougar on the coin of death. My soul's in a state of emergency. Emergency. Hey, my emergency. soul's in a state of emergency. Yeah. My soul is in a state of emergency. 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 
Two, two, two. 